Welcome to Fast Lane with Sarah Jane, a podcast for women who are on the move, managing life and family. Your host, Sarah Jane, is building a tribe and talking about the things that affect the daily lives of moms. You can expect real conversations about managing chaos, finding ways to take care of mind and body, and stepping outside your comfort zone on the way to living your best life. Hold on for a wild ride. Now, let's get started. So my guest today is Dr. Cody Sinker, and he is a chiropractor that I went to chiropractic school with. And Cody is someone that I have always admired because he's very passionate about the chiropractic profession. And he he lives it, he practices what he preaches, and I think that's awesome. So Cody, thank you for coming on today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start with what what are you doing right now? Where are you at? What are you doing with chiropractic? Yeah, it's actually, you're catching me right in the middle of a transition. Um, my wife just started law school down in Indianapolis, and I, I joined a practice um, down here with a doc that actually got his start touring with the IndyCar circuit, adjusting drivers and a pit crew and all that. Wow. And then they wanted him to set up an Indy. And, you know, I'm just a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And our realtor, like I reached out to some doctors just to put some feelers out there and our realtor is like, Hey, I go to this chiropractor. I can put you in contact with them. And I'm like, sure. And it's just, I'm a independent contractor. So I get my, like I have my space and all that stuff inside a indie health and fitness and just been going really well the last six weeks. It's definitely a, a strange time to be starting a new practice from scratch. <laughs> Absolutely. So with with the new move and all that kind of stuff, is it been, what, what's it like starting a new practice? Like I've been in the same spot for years and years. Is it difficult right now with everything that's going on or are people still needing chiropractic just like before? You know, it's, it's funny where things are, people are getting bigger before I left my practice in Michigan literally was breaking records. My last day we saw 64 patients in the day. And so right now, you know, I, I talked to patients and I said, it's like compare now to six months ago, is it more important to deal with your health now or then? And people are like, well, now, and because they're thinking about COVID and all this stuff, um, but it's like, it really shouldn't have changed, but people are just now more aware of it really was building, built up my practice in Michigan, doing lunch and learns with businesses. So this is a little bit different just because people right now, a lot more people are working remotely or the people that are in-house, they are very protective of bringing outsiders in. So you know, just weighing a lot heavier on referrals, just kind of pounding the pavement, uh, talking to yoga instructors, CrossFit gyms, Pilates, just people that I resonate with so mm-hmm. that I can just, you know, let them know that I'm new to the area and, and I'm here to help. Don't you think that chiropractic is so much different than any other healthcare field? Because I think like with my patients, we just, we form a relationship. It's not like a, you're in, you're out and all this kind of stuff. It's sometimes you're like a therapist. A lot of people don't get touched. And, and I say that in a good way because like with my older patients, you know, they live alone. They, they don't have anyone there with them. And all of a sudden you're working on these muscles that haven't been touched in, in so long. And people, you just build this relationship of trust and 
they feel better spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, all that stuff. Absolutely. There's, there's an energy interaction going on just from touch. And it's not like hand on hand, but like just you touching them, there's an energy exchange going on there. Mm -hmm. And I literally said to every single one of my patients at the practice that I just left that I thank them from the bottom of my heart for their trust, for allowing me to take care of them, because that's not something that I take lightly, because if they trust us as their caretaker, I think you can attest to this. Those are the ones that get the best results, the ones that are truly trusting of you. Absolutely. And you're always going to have the people who want to come in and get an adjustment and be there for five to 15 minutes and then leave. And you're not going to see them for two years until they can't walk again. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And those, you know, and you love on them just as much and you just take it for face value and what it is. It's not nothing against, it's not anything against us as the doctor, even though we want the people coming in regularly because we know we live it, we get adjusted, we see the benefits ourselves and we want that for everybody. But, you know, it's all about meeting people where they're at. And that's something that I've like constantly have to remind myself at because I can just be very hard headed and, and want something more for a patient than what they want. And then I can get burned out. I can get frustrated. I can get like worn down from that because I'm giving more in this relationship. There's not like a, an equal exchange. Absolutely. And there, there came a point where I had to stop that because I was laying in bed at night thinking, what else can I do? What is going on? And it, and it consumed me. And finally I thought, do what they want you to do. If they don't want more than that, stop thinking about it after hours, stop being concerned about it because we just have to meet them where they are in their, mm-hmm. in their health journey, really. And that doesn't mean that you let them off the hook though, either with that, like if that's what they're coming in and and it's like those people that just come in like once a year, they come in every single day for like four or five days and then you don't see it for another year. And it's like, like their life is ruined for those four or five days because they're in so much pain. It's like, Hey, you know, if, if you want to keep from doing this, it's a lot easier if we get on a maintenance plan. And it's like, you you got to at least let them know and have that option, even though you're meeting them where it's at, let them know that there is another way that you don't have to go through this every year for this period of time and just have it wrecking everything. And I like to tell them, and granted, I have children and I adjust them once a week and sometimes more because if they, they need everything adjusted all the time, their feet, their elbows, you know, they're, they need everything. Adjusted. And they're in football right now. So they probably need it even more. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're to the point where if they hit their head at football, they come home and they're like, I need more fish oil, mom. I hit my head today. So, you know, we took it up a notch. I love it. I love it. But that means that you're, you're educating these kids. And that's what we need more right now is just more empowering of we're not victims of our environment that we can actually be empowering and we can take steps to make ourselves healthier instead of just being fearful of a, some kind of disease or sickness. Absolutely. And getting adjusted actually boosts your immune system. And I, I, I don't think people know that. I think they only think chiropractic is for pain. Yeah. And that's why, you know, 
I try to tell every single patient on every single visit something new about them, like an area that I'm adjusting that, yes, it goes to those muscles where we're feeling some tightness and aches and pains, but those nerves still go to organs and those organs start functioning better. And if we're, if our brain can communicate to the rest of our body and vice versa, amazing things can happen and your body's designed to heal. Like there's nobody out there that's like, do you think your natural state is sickness or health? Like if you did everything right, are you going to be healthy or sick? And I was like, well, I'm going to be healthy. Yeah, we need to get back to that. Like nobody thinks that they're genetically programmed to be sick. We've done something to screw it up to get to that point. Absolutely. I think though, I think a lot of times people will use age as, as an excuse. And it seems like 40 is the age. Oh, after 40, everything went downhill. Yeah. Did it though? <laughs> That's why I always like People are having a birthday on this. Everybody's always 29. It's happy 29th yeah. birthday because some people, it's getting, that's getting younger, even though we're living longer and having all these things. People like, because our lifestyles are just breaking our bodies down quicker now. And so things are happening. So it's like happy 29th birthday. It's like, well, that's what happens when you like turn 29 type of thing. So making it light, but not giving them the out that it's, it's an age related thing because it's not, it's a, lifestyle related thing that's been going on for a long period of time and you finally gone a certain period of time and your body can't ha- can't handle it anymore how about the people who will say every now and then i'll get a person that says oh you're a chiropractor i've never had to go to one and like they're proud of it like they've never had to go and i'm thinking well you probably could have gone i mean you were born and a lot of times that's the first time you get a subluxation absolutely it's you know it drives me nuts it's like hey how you doing today well, I would be better if I wasn't here. Yes. It's like, like those things drive me nuts. And those are the people that you just have to educate. And we've done a bad job as a profession, letting people think that we're just neck pain and back pain. That we're, we're nervous system. We're brain, nervous system, spinal cord doctors. And so we deal with the nervous system to allow it to function as optimally as possible. And, you know, I have a, a, a placard up of all the kids that I adjust. And I always tell people, it's like, I want to show you this. And I'm like, the youngest I've ever adjusted is two days old. And people are like, what? Like, mm-hmm. why? And I'm like, well, because all the research is showing that 80% of all births have some kind of trauma to the neck. And I have a, a patient. She came in, she was two weeks old with torticollis. And her head was stuck like this super fussy, colicky, wasn't latching to the right. And her doctor wanted to do surgery to cut her muscle, straighten up and reattach. At two weeks? At two weeks. Because it's a tight muscle, we got to straighten it and reattach it. And thankfully the mom's like, you know, you don't really want to do that. I want to do something different. And after three adjustments, babies sleeping like hours at a time, latching both ways, like not fussy being a healthy, happy baby. And those are the things that just, it's like, if I was just dealing with neck pain and back pain, you'd never see those things. But the only way that we do that is if we let people know, and it's not like we're, we're lecturing them, but we just let them know. I'm glad you said that because I have a list of chiropractic myths that I I want us to debunk. And one of them is chiropractic, chiropractic is not good and not safe for kids. Oh, I couldn't disagree with that anymore. And you know, I don't know if you actually know my story. I started getting adjusted when I was three years old. 
not because I had neck pain or back pain. We were actually in a horrible, horrendous car accident. Um, a drunk driver came on the freeway going 10 miles an hour. We were behind a semi. The semi swerved and missed, and we smashed into the back of this drunk driver. Oh, my gosh. My dad dislocated. My sister and my dad were belted in the front seat. My mom, myself, and our our dog were sleeping in the back seat, unbelted. We were coming back from Minnesota to Michigan. And my dad dislocated his hip. My sister broke her collarbone and hit her head on the dashboard and needed reconstructive surgery on her head. My mom flew through the front windshield and was actually in a coma for 10 days. And thank goodness I hit the back seat, dropped down, and was fine with the dog. But we were at University of Michigan Hospital, which is the best of the best in the state of Michigan. And my mom, as she came out of a coma, was having searing migraines narcolepsy where she'd fall asleep and literally like deuce Bigelow fell asleep face first in soup and was having this weird circular radiating pain in her cheek and she went to u of m is like what's this all about and they're like we don't know like we can give you some medications it might just be something that you always have to deal with and luckily one of my dad's good friends uh was a roommate with a chiropractor and he said get her in here. We need to see what's going on. She has not had a headache since. She was a phenomenal sleeper. And thank God that this chiropractor told my parents about the benefits of getting kids adjusted because my sister and I have been getting adjusted since I was three and she was six. And my uncle was actually an undergrad at the time. I was going to be a physical therapist and he decided to become a chiropractor because of that story. Wow. So did you know from a young age, you want to be a chiropractor from that too or no? No. I've always loved going to the chiropractor, getting adjusted. I actually um, got into Louisville Dental School. I thought I was going to be a dentist. And I had the coming to Jesus where it's like, do I want to have my hands in people's mouths for the next 40 years? And the answer was no, I don't. <laughs> and it was, you know, chiropractic. I loved it. Could be like my own boss. I could be hands on with patients. I can help people. And you know, work with my hands, which is everything that I wanted with dental school, but I didn't have to have my hands in people's mouths for the next 40 years. So it was like at that moment, the the switch flipped and I'm I was going to be a chiropractor and I like I didn't want to be anything else or even think about becoming anything else. Well, I did not know that story. I'm glad I know that story because that is pretty yeah. cool. So, so that's interesting. after that's very traumatic that you all mm-hmm. went through and yet you all had chiropractic and there's some people who say that chiropractic is dangerous. Well, you went through all that trauma and chiropractic mm-hmm. was not dangerous for any of you. It was life-saving. It was the opposite of dangerous. It, it literally saved my mom's life because who knows if she would have gone down the path of a medical system of being I'm drugged up medications and I maybe would not have had the mother that I have today that I love to death. She's the sweetest thing on the planet and I may not have had that. So it literally saved our lives. And it's interesting when people say that it is dangerous when there is a plethora of side effects from any pharmaceutical drug that you might take, but Mm -hmm. no one even thinks twice about taking something like that, but yet we're apprehensive to go to a chiropractor. Yeah. And it drives me nuts. You hear people, it's like taking a friend's like migraine medication or a muscle relaxer from the friend. And like, they're fine with that. I have no issues with that. But yet 
they come in, get x-rayed, get evaluated, get examined properly to make sure that there aren't risks mm-hmm. with a chiropractic adjustment. And they're like, eh, it's too much for me. Or mm-hmm. willing to have surgeries. I was at the airport one time and this was a couple of years ago. And the guy at the counter is like, I'm like, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm great. Having double hip replacement tomorrow. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I'm so excited. I go, you ever thought about going to chiropractic? He goes, oh my God, no, that scares me to death. <laughs> but he's willing to go under anesthesia and have both hips replaced. And that's kind of like, if people are a little apprehensive, it may not be the best way to go, but I always talk about malpractice insurance and that's based on risk. And people understand insurance. It's like, you know, kids that are 16 years old are more likely to get in accidents. So their insurance is super high because they're riskier. I don't know about you. My malpractice insurance is about like, three grand a year, like yeah. 3,500 bucks a year. Anesthesiologist, I think it's about $180,000 for a year. Oh. So there's a lot more risk involved with that. And so, you know, sometimes people just need an excuse to not take ownership over their health and what they want. And that's how they've like almost lied to themselves or, you know, portrayed for themselves to not start taking ownership. It's easier to take a drug. It's easier to go get surgery and have somebody do PT on you instead of you being actively involved in your health. And a lot of people will say that it's too expensive, but yet everything that you just listed, they're going to physical therapy, they're getting the surgeries, they're taking the medication. And sometimes your insurance is covering it. Sometimes it's not. Even if your insurance doesn't cover chiropractic, it's going to be cheaper than doing all the things. Yeah. Spinal surgeries. I think the cheapest I heard is like 50 grand. It's like, you can see me for 80 years consistently and (laughs) never come close to that, but it's, it's all what you value. And you have people that don't have a ton of money that make it work. Yeah. And then you have people that have all the money in the world that say it's too expensive. It's because they don't value it. They'd rather like spend 10 grand on a new huge TV than invest that money into their health. And it's all a value. And I think us as a profession, we, we've done a bad job. Like everybody's fighting over neck pain, back pain, but nobody knows about the nervous system and what that can do to help you. And then also... I'm sure this is probably going to come up, but people think I have to see you three times a week for the rest of my life. And it's like, no, no, you don't. I actually hope you don't. I'm not doing my job if we're doing that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I had someone say to me one time, a patient in this, and I've known him for years because I I practice in the town I grew up in, you know, it's 1200 people. I know 98% of my patients that come through the door. So he said to me, well, if you can put someone into place, you can take them out of place. So they have to come back. And I said, wow, you have seen some pretty poor chiropractors in the past because I have a lot more integrity than that. And I like when people feel better when they leave my office and I, I don't purposely want them to come back. And I was, I was kind of taken aback that someone would say that because I would never think that. Yeah. I feel bad for people like that, that are so cynical in their outlook on life that people are just out to get them. I inherently, maybe that might be something that's just ingrained in me, but I think people are good until they prove me wrong. Uh, yes. Yep. I and, and I and I feel the same way. I was also taken aback about a month ago, someone that, again, that I've known forever, kind of was walking funny. And I said, what's going on? And they said... 
oh, I, I did something to my back. And I said, oh, why don't you come in and get adjusted? Well, I know how chiropractors work. You have to come in all the time and then it hurts worse after you come in. And absolutely, okay, When before I was a chiropractor, absolutely. If you haven't been adjusting in a really long time and your back goes out, you might hurt a little more that night because yeah. muscles are tight, it's inflamed, it's out of place. you got three things going against you, right? So now it's yeah. back in alignment and you're trying to get used to it. And I thought, wow, someone that I've known for this long will say that. And I said, that is not how it is. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come back all the time. People come back because they feel better. We don't yeah. make them come back. And, you know, it, 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 people, like, you you try to give them a comparison because they think they know what chiropractic is. We feel like we know what it is, and it's the big gap. And so we have to find a way to meet them where they're at. But it's like, with working out, like, nobody's ever said, oh, man, I got to keep working out for the rest of my life. <laughs> What's that? Like, these gyms are just a racket. Like push-ups forever why would i do that and it's like if you've never done a push-up before and then you try to do five you're going to be sore yep. like we're, we're there your body's created a habit and enabled to create a new habit like there's some there's some change that has to be made and sometimes it's not comfortable that's true and you know do i want you to feel better a hundred percent but i also know that if it's a different feeling than what you felt coming in your body's adapting to it. And that's a good thing too. Absolutely. I, I think you're going to like this analogy, especially now what you're doing. I will tell people, I compare them to a car and I said, don't think that it's bad to come in. Cause we're basically just rotating your tires. We're giving you an oil change. We're doing maintenance. And I, and, and some people I'll say, why do you wait until you have four flat tires to come in to see me? Because it's so much more work to start from there. If we could just tune you up here and there, because that's basically what it is. How many people just gardening or playing with their kids or changing their oil, they get some back pain. And instead of going to get adjusted maybe once or twice, they just deal with it. And then a year, you know, a year later, you're right. We see them five days in a row because they can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like the people that have four, four flat tires before, they, they don't go to the dealership that like takes their insurance. Right. That's true. We, we take more, we take better care of our cars than we take of our body. It's ridiculous. Like nobody, I've never once got to an oil change place and be like, what if these people will like take my insurance? Never has that crossed my mind. But yet we think that regarding health that, and you know, part of that is the healthcare system that we live in. Like we are, we're programmed to, to, to want and really like strive for the quick fix. And if you're wanting to be healthy, there's no quick fix. You've got to play the long game with it. And it's not always fun. And it's not always a linear progression up. There's peaks, there's valleys. And it's just like, and once again, like I've never had anybody that was like, you know what? I'm a hundred percent healthy. There's nothing I could do to be healthier than what I am at this point. I'm just, I should just stop. I'm not going to work out anymore. I'm going to stop eating healthy. I'm going to stop getting adjusted you know, I'm good. Like it just doesn't happen, but yet we put ourselves in that, you know, that hole, we pigeonhole ourselves to be like, you know, I'm good. I don't ever have to see you again. It's like, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I hope that's not the case. I hope you see the value in it. But once again, that's where they're at. That's where they're at. You can just hope that they're better and pray on them that, you know, 
maybe they, they get an epiphany that they found out that, you know, not only was their back pain better, but their breathing was better, their sleeping better, their digestion was better than, you know, maybe maybe there was something to it that we're just not kooks out here just throwing out all these random things. That we, These are actually pretty common things that we hear on a day-to-day basis. And in addition to the adjusting, I think a majority, not not all for sure, I know, are into the nutritional aspect of things. But it's difficult sometimes, too, because trying to convince someone that not grabbing the Doritos and the Diet Coke, you know, you could maybe try something else for lunch other than stuff like that. So and I try and I do say it's like, let's say you are a car and you're going to put diesel instead of gas in you know, it's just not going to work. You can't, you can't put that kind of stuff in and expect a good result. You got it. I, I don't, I'm not the best at, you know, just being point blank, blank and blunt with people, but it's like so many times I just want to be like, if you lose 75 pounds, it's really going to help. Like it'll probably make your back feel better. And, you know, I can't adjust the 75 pounds away from you. We got to do different things with this. Yeah. It's it's just the way it is. Like, and like, if you want to get more into the physiology and the biochemistry of all of it, it's it's inflammation. And that's what we deal with, like trying to reduce inflammation. And when we adjust, yeah, it helps reduce that inflammation. But if they go home or go to the fast food place and it's like, I just moved to an area that has Chick-fil-A. Michigan only has like three Chick-fil-A's and I drive past one every day and there's a line wrapped around it. It's like, why don't we have a line wrapped around our building to get in to get adjusted because this is healthy. But yet Chick-fil-A will have a line day and night every single day except for Sunday, which they would still on Sunday, but they're good for them. They're, they're not open. Right. And I find it with all the sickness that everyone is worried about now, Granted, I think a majority, like you and I and and a lot of our colleagues and our families, we've always washed our hands. Like, it's just been our thing. We didn't need someone to tell us to wash our hands on a daily basis. Don't sneeze on people. Don't cough on people. Weird. Right. I mean, it's just so, so foreign to us, really. But I, what I think is interesting is that we're just we're trying to find a drug that's going to heal everyone. No one has said anything about let's eat better. Let's go to the, get 30 minutes of exercise. I understand some people, you can't go to a gym right now. I get it. Some people Mm -hmm. can't afford a gym. I get it, but you probably can walk around the block. I mean, anyone can get a treadmill. There's so many things that we can do. And I I get it. We have to meet people where that, like if someone has 75 pounds to lose, we can't expect them to make all these changes overnight. It's a gradual Mm -hmm. thing, but Why is it that we put all this focus on getting a pill to cure X, Y, and Z, and we we never have to take take blame for it? Like we never have to eat healthier or walk or you know. My dad, he was not a healthy man. He was not. But when he could not lift very much, he would use soup cans, like to just try to move. It is so important for people to move and just take a little more stock in their health and no one cares. It's crazy. My dad, God love him. I use him for a lot of examples because he's not the picture of health. He could stand to lose probably like a hundred pounds, but uh, it was, he's very golf driven. And, you know, from the car accident, he dislocated his hip. 
So fast forward, um, it was 20 years. He, it was right before we started chiropractic school. He got it, his left hip replaced. And then he came out of surgery and he's we're like, how do you feel? He's like, it feels great. Didn't know my right hip hurt so bad. So four months later, got the right hip replaced because he was compensating. But it wasn't until he went a summer without playing golf that he finally realized that it was time to get these surgeries done. As long as he, if he would have still been able to play golf at kind of a higher level, he's a phenomenal golfer. I don't think he would have ever gotten his hip replaced. And so I've always tried to like jam things down his throat. It was like, oh my God, dad, like they say, shoot for 10,000 steps a day. Let's just cut that in half. Shoot for 5,000 steps. Showed him how to do it on his iPhone, how to find out his steps and everything. And the next day I called him like, how'd it go yesterday? What do you mean? How many steps you get? And he pulls up his phone. He's like, 782. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, you have to work to not like walk like that. But it was like, it was funny, golf driven. I go, dad, you know, if you lose weight, you'll be able to turn better. And you said that you were sore yesterday after playing golf. Did you walk or ride a cart? I rode in a cart. Like, you probably shouldn't be sore from that. There wasn't a whole lot going on. So if we start losing weight, and one of the best ways that you can do it is actually to start walking, like things can happen. And it's like amazing. My mom's saying, I'm like, just start with like a 15 minute walk a day, just one 15 minute. Mm -hmm. I go, you never have the time for it. You have to make the time for it because he had a heart attack a number of years ago and he was able to drive 30 minutes away for an hour and a half of cardiac rehab three days a week for two months. And as soon as that was off, he couldn't find time to go for a walk again. He's also a guy that loves things done for him. Like he will come and get adjusted every single day because he doesn't have to do anything. He just has to show up. But my mom said, you know what? Since she talked to him, he's gone on at least a 15, one 15 minute walk a day. And so we have to find out what people's driving factor is. Sometimes just being healthy isn't a factor enough. You have to like uncover what what the motivating factor is and everybody has one like if people come to our office they're there for a reason there's it's like they can pop medication they can do all these things they can go to yoga they can try all these things they're there because they think it can help because something's being interfered with in their life and whether they want to admit it or not that's the truth either they're not doing something as well as they can or they're not able to do something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing that you start talking about those things and just focusing on those when you're talking to them and then throwing nuggets here and there. People are a little bit more perceptive. That's what we're looking for. Uh, perceptive to what you have to say because you're talking their language for them. And so like, that's the thing Like for anybody. If, you're, if your goal is just to lose weight, why? If it's just to lose weight, like there's not a big enough why to be able to do that you'll mm-hmm. you'll eat healthy for a day but then as soon as you're tempted you'll you'll go to that junk food again but if it's like to walk my daughter down the aisle or to fit into my wedding suit or you know to play better golf whatever it is to be there for your children to be able to play with your children because it hurts to play with them like whatever that is but it's on us to actually ask those questions Instead of just saying, well, my back hurts. Okay, let's go face down. Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe they'll just be showing up once or twice and then they're gone until it hurts again. Hopefully we we did that. And, you know, I'm not perfect because I still have those patients that 
they come twice and I never see them again. I can only hope that they benefited from it, but it just means that I didn't do a good enough job finding their big why. When you're talking about your dad's hips and people talk about joint pain, and it used to be, I had someone tell me once that it was bad to get adjusted because it's bad for your joints and that it hurts and it grinds your joints. And really, do you remember when we were, I think we were possibly, were we in the same cadaver lab in T1? I believe so. Because there was a cadaver in there. And first of all, let me just start by saying I had the utmost respect for all of those cadavers, like brought a pillow for mine. And I would remind people that this was someone's grandma, mom, dad, whatever. So I'm, I'm sure. disrespectful in the least. But mm-hmm. there was one who was laying on the table, but her legs were bent because she couldn't flatten out. And so I will tell people that I will say, if you, if, if you don't move your joints, then they can't move and then they won't move. So especially in the care center, if they're not moving those legs every day, that's what's going to happen. We saw that lady, she couldn't lay flat. Her legs were like in the shape of a wheelchair. So it is good for your joints to get adjusted. An adjustment is like oil to the, a rusty hinge. You're keeping the movement. You know, going back to the car, if there's rust, like if a car hasn't been driven for a while, and you start it up, like it's slow to get moving. There's, it's creaky. It's all these things because movement's key. And it's like a proper movement's key. A lot of times we can see people with like, I had a, a patient, which is pretty cool in the practice I'm in. We have an athletic trainer. We have a guy that does muscle work. A patient got adjusted by me and then went to go to a guy that does our muscle work. And literally his hips had already shifted after 15 steps to go back. And it's like, I could keep adjusting that till I'm blue in the face. We got to strengthen some things there. And like maybe some joint laxity, they're a little hypermobile. That's when it might actually not be good. But like if we have a joint that's not moving, we got to move that joint. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's moving too much, we got to figure out what's causing that to strengthen the stabilizers around it to keep it there. Isn't it nice when the different aspects of healthcare can work together instead of, uh, you know, fighting and, oh, they're wrong and they're wrong. And and, and this just gets so frustrating. I love it. And my father-in-law is a DO and we do not see eye to eye on a lot of things regarding health. Phenomenal guy. And it's so funny because when he was in osteopathic school, he loved homeopathy. And it's like crazy because he's actually a pulmonologist and fell in love with critical care. And it's like, those things could be further away from each other, but he loved it so much. And so it's like, it wasn't his fault. He's just trained in critical care. And we take critical care into chronic care and think that it's the same exact thing. And it's not the case. Like a a critical issue has a different aspect. Like you break your leg, don't come and see me. I don't know what to do. Right. But if there's something chronic, we can't take it with the same approach to get it there. And that's where, unfortunately, we think the drugs, the surgeries are going to fix everything. And it's like, if you've had a bad diet and you're a type two diabetic and you've been diabetic for 20 years, there's not a medication that's going to do it. Like how many, how many toes do you have to get removed for your diabetes to go away? Like, they're just different approaches. I, I I like how you said that. Like, that's, that's a good point. I, I just posted something on Instagram the other day and it made sense. And it's like, I looked it up on Google, on WebMD, on the Mayo Clinic, on um, Healthline. It's like, and I just put in, can 
type two medication reverse diabetes? And I said, no, it can manage it. And every single one, if you want to reverse diabetes, it's lifestyle, it's diet, it's exercise, it's all this stuff. But not one of them said that the medication could reverse it. And it's because, well, guess what? If your blood sugar is 300, please take a medication to lower it and stabilize it. But we have to figure out what's causing it. It's not because you're deficient in metformin. Right. You know? And so we... We were inundated with so many drug ads that we think like they paint the perfect picture. Like these guys spend a ton of money on advertising, so they're really good at it. Yeah. And it makes us think that we have to have this drug to be healthy. If drugs made us healthy, nursing homes would be the healthiest places on the on the planet. And they're just not. That's a good point. I so, used to see patients, I would just look at their intake form and I would see the list of medication they're on. Again, we're in a small area and what we live in, and it wasn't the, the nurse practitioner in town, but there's people 20 miles away. And I would just look at the medications they were on. And finally I started saying, do you see Dr. So-and-so? And they're like, yeah, how did you know? I knew because they were all on the same thing. And that doesn't even make sense because we are all so different. How can we put every, like, how can, how can I start to guess what doctor you have? Because they're putting them on everything the same. I don't know. I don't, I don't like healthcare should be a lot more individualized instead of like we lump everyone into the same box. It has to be individualized. Like I, I feel like, I don't know about you, but it feels like every woman over 20 years old is on a thyroid is on Synthroid or Levothyroxine right now with so many thyroid issues. And it's like, it's just what you do is like you take this medication if you have a thyroid issue and it's like you start thinking about it and you ask people, it's like, do you know what they give people for hyperthyroidism? Synthroid. You know what they give people with hypothyroidism? Synthroid. It's like this pill is not that magical that it can lower something that's high or bring up something that's low. But yet there's just a standard of care that they have to follow. And it's unfortunate that, you know, I I never want to badmouth a doctor. It's just not what they're trained in. And they're so inundated with so much that they're looking for a protocol and they just put that protocol on for everybody. And it's like, I've had patients that have been fired by their endocrinologist because their numbers couldn't normalize. It's like, that's not the patient's fault. Like they're following your, your standard of care. We got to do something different. Like a pastor from our church came in on seven blood pressure medications. And this is when I'm like, Pastor Hal, like, is the eighth one going to like drop down your blood pressure? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, how's your blood pressure right now? He's like, well, it's still pretty high. I'm like, if you're on seven, is the eighth one going to do it? He's like, I guess I never thought about that. And like, you know, us as chiropractors, like, I don't know if like, we've just thrown so much BS out there in the past that people are just have their guard up, but you go to a medical doctor and they take what they say for as gold where a medical doctor said go get adjusted by this chiropractor three days a week for like a month and then maintain it for the rest of your life i wonder if people would follow through with it that's a good question i don't know if it's just because it's coming from us that it does that or if it's coming from a different healthcare practitioner if they did that if it would come across differently We are very fortunate here. The nurse practitioner in my town, we work really well together and there are certain things that I do and and I send a lot of people over her way. And 
I, I just think that's so beneficial for the patients. Oh my gosh. Yeah. To, to have providers knowing what's going on with the patients, like that's how we get patients on 15, 20 medications because they're going to all these different doctors. None of them talk to each other and they're all prescribing all this stuff. And three quarters of them are to combat the side effects from another medication in there. But it's like, if, if we could just co-manage and put our egos aside and saying that full and well that, you know, I was very anti that for a long time where it's like, you know, the medical system, it's like, no, these people are good people. It's just their system is a little faulty and we need them for what they do and they do amazing stuff. We just need to be able to work together somehow. But like you talk to any, any nurse, nurse practitioner, like ER doc, like outpatient clinic, like all these things, they don't want to deal with neck pain and back pain. They, they hate that case. They don't want to give people muscle relaxers and a steroid shot in their butt. Like, like they don't, that's what they know what to do. But like you start talking with them, it's amazing that it can be a great referral source because they like what we do. They just don't know what we do. Mm-hmm. We got we got to tell them what we do and like educate them, not shove it down the throat and tell them like I, I've learned that people don't respond very well when you're cutting them down and then trying to educate them that like if you actually like come together with this, people are a lot more receptive and we have a message that a lot of people respond to like really well as long as we package it the right way. That is true. That is, that's very true. The, the one thing too, that I find difficult is the amount of people on antidepressants because that, and, and anti-anxiety medication, I would say, I don't know what the percentage you would say. I would say probably in my clinic, 75 to 80% of females are on one, if not two medications for that. Oh yeah. It's, it's horrible. And that's the one medication that really digs at me a lot because you know you watch the commercials and I try not to watch commercials but sometimes I just listen to for the end just to hear how quickly they can talk because they're spotting off all the medications but it's like antidepressant anti-anxiety medications they say cause homicidal and suicidal thought like this is somebody that's already struggling with that and we're going to give them something that causes this. And it just like breaks my heart mm-hmm. on what that's doing for them. And it drives me nuts that they're allowed to do this and allowed to keep prescribing that and upping doses and stuff like that. It's like, you know, for every, every effect, there's a cause. That's just a law. And it's like, if the, if the effect is depression, the cause isn't, like once again a lack of antidepressant like there's there's a cause for that and we need to figure out what that is and it's it's just it does break my heart and it's out there a lot and people and especially now people can't interact with people you know can't interact if you have a sick parent or a grandparent you you've been told that you could get them sick so you don't want that and so you don't have that social interaction and people are so bound up right now with like covid rage that it's like man Mm -hmm. i'm not the biggest proponent of this but it's like 
take a high dose CBD or some THC because you just need to chill. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, like it's, we're, we're just not in a good environment for somebody that's already struggling with, with depression issues or anxiety issues. And everything that we're doing in our lifestyle is just enhancing that. If you're eating a standard American diet, you're not like exercising, you're sitting the majority of the day, you're not getting outside, you're not getting adjusted, you're toxic. Like, I don't know how you couldn't be depressed right now. That's true. And I'm not saying that some people don't need it. And I know that's not what you're saying either, but I, I guess I take this to heart because I have been on those medications and it was to the point where either something changes or I'm going to be on this forever. And there's a lot of things that had to change, but you, and again, it's not an overnight fix, but now, and my brother, I, I don't know if he teases, but every now and then I will, I will say something and he'll say, oh, you, you need some medication. And so, and I never know if he is teasing or if he's serious, but I know I don't need that because I don't feel at all the way I used to feel at all, like 0%. But again, there's a lot that goes to it. And it was not a lack of, I think I was on Paxil. It wasn't a, it wasn't a lack of Paxil that I had. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, it, it breaks your heart. And it's like, especially like a wife, a mother, these things, it's like, oh my God, I want you to be the best mother that you can possibly be. And you're on these medication and you feel like you're just in this cloud and you're already dealing with depression. and all these things and it's just building, building, building. It's like, Oh, I want to help you so much. And like, once again, I'm not telling you not to get on them and if you need them, but if the, the plan is to have you stay on them for the rest of your life, there's something else going on. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just out there and I'm seeing a lot more of it right now too. And it's, it's crazy. Like it's getting younger. It's like high school, middle school, like girls and boys with like the cyberbullying. Like I'm so happy that Facebook didn't come out until I was in undergrad because who knows what would have happened. Like we just had good old fashioned bullying and all this stuff. And even then (laughs) I was like, oh God, this is driving me nuts. But it's, it's just terrifying. And then you see like the Netflix shows, like 13 Reasons Why is it? And I know they're trying to help, but in some... I grew up in a family that is like, not that it's right, but it was like suicide's a selfish way out because yeah, you're out of pain, but now everybody else around you in your sphere of influence has to deal with it and all these issues. And so it's like, oh, like, and then you see very popular shows talking about it and like all like desensitizing it. And it's just like, making it so it's okay and it's just not there and being chiropractors like going back to this we deal with traumas toxins and thoughts and traumas are physical subluxations the toxins we've talked about it's our it's you know our air pollution the water we drink the food we eat everything we do but thoughts oh my gosh like emotional stressors trump the other two like crazy like i was just talking to a patient today and he's like for the longest time, like I'm starting to feel some changes, but I would get to the office. He's a mortgage broker. He's like, after the third call, it just tense right up and it, I'd have numbness down in my hands. And I could have just come from a massage 
and it's already tense up. It's like that's emotional stress right there. It's mm-hmm. like we got to figure out how to combat that because, especially like women, like statistically, you guys are sicker than guys right now, and it's really sad. And it's like who's? I I think it's because you guys are genetically programmed to care more. Like you guys are mothers, you're nurturers, you guys care. And it's like a running joke, but not really. It's like, who stresses out more, men or women? I'd say women. Who causes women the most amount of stress? <laughs> men. Yeah, right there. But it's like, like you guys, like God bless you. Like your nurturers, your lovers, like genetically programmed for that. And it's like, you guys take everything to heart and you take everybody else's stress. So if you don't take like the time for yourself to be able to to manage that, to help get rid of that, it's like, how can you not be sick? It's it's really sad. I really like how you said that. Well, one thing I know that's not stressful or depressing is having a chat with you because I think I think we debunked a lot of chiropractic myths tonight. And I hope so. And I, I think we probably gave people some hope that they can feel better with maybe maybe chiropractic care and maybe other things that we've talked about. So I am so happy that you joined me today. Is there any last thoughts that you'd like to give before we say goodbye? Like what you said there, like my goal is to give people hope that your body can heal, can do that. You know, as chiropractors, I don't know about you. I get more people than I ever thought would have that said, hey, can you prescribe medication? And like, no. And I hope I can't. But, you know, this is going to sound super cheesy, but it's the God honest truth. It's like the only drug that I ever wish to prescribe to somebody is hopium. (laughs) It's giving them the hope to be able to realize that they're there is a better way. There is health in sight. We just have to take the right action steps and have a plan for you to be able to get there. But you're not destined to be sick and miserable for the rest of your life. We can change that. I love it. Well, you do, you're do. you doing great work and I'm excited that you started a new chapter in a new place. And I, I see you on Facebook. I know you're extremely happy. I, I give all the best to you and your wife. Same to you guys. I appreciate this. Hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely. I would love that. You have a great night. You too. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback. So ratings and reviews are appreciated.